Hello and welcome back to Football Gentron, the only English language podcast dedicated to Armenian football. As you could tell by the tone of my voice, I am exhausted. <laughs> just as much as the players probably were on the pitch. Uh, today it's just me and me and Armen, uh, the duo. Uh, everyone else is asleep because it's like I don't know, 4 a.m. in Cyprus or something, and like tired. yeah, it's everyone like 2 a.m. in Paris. Um, so it's just us. Uh, we're going to be looking at wrapping up the Armenia versus Liechtenstein World Cup qualifying opening match, and then we're going to turn our attention to Sunday's home match against Iceland. But first, uh, let's discuss the lead-up. Armin, tell us what's up. Well, uh, I think, first of all, oof. first of all, yeah, <laughs> just relax. Yeah, we got to relax after that game. Man, Jesus Christ. Okay, so I I think Adam, the all of us were expecting Edward Spertian somewhere with the in the training, and that didn't happen at least for this game. Turns out he was carrying what was supposed to be a light injury, and uh, yeah, he just flew to Yerevan after some doubts whether or not he was going to make it. He is in Yerevan. I repeat, Edward Spertian landed in Yerevan and can play, well, probably could play against Romania if Caparros deems it fit. So this is not a drill. Spertian may make his debut. I, and you, absent, you know, yeah. wait, but before actually, before you get there now, you know, like we were talking about in the last episode, how he had his depth chart and he had Spertian as the central midfielder that played alongside the defensive midfielder. I yeah. I completely understand now when he because of well obviously we're, we're going to talk about this later but when when mm-hmm. Kaparos dropped Sako down from striker to center mid that changed the yeah, game that was, completely and now I see it I see it now anyway continue no it was beautiful man Sako what what a guy uh, other notable absentees for today's game that were and are actually in the national team camp but are carrying uh, Different injuries, light injuries, would be starting left back Arman Ovanisian, whose absence was also uh, notable, no, no, noticeable with uh, Kamo Ovanisian trying to uh, replace him. Uh, Weimar Angulo, about whom we knew he, he wasn't fit. And apparently neither were Hagop Hagopian or Bedro Sabedisian, the two former Urartu Academy uh, teammates, very talented, 23 years old, both of them, and uh, hopefully they can break their way into the starting lineup against Romania for the last game because both of them are very, very talented. Uh, so yeah, uh, we'll see about those guys, about Hovannesian, Arman, Angulo, Hagop, and uh, Bedros. Yeah, I don't. After today's performance, I think like. I don't know how likely it is going to be for Hako Pakopian, Petro Savitisian to get into the team because of like the amount of attacking options we have already. And I think in defense wise, we're pretty stable. Kamo seems like a good backup at left back. Uh, I'm just kind of surprised we didn't see Serob Grigorian, but that was because he had a minor injury as well, right? Uh, I I don't I, I'm not sure. I mean. Hopefully that's not the case because by now it should be alarming the the amount of 
fullbacks carrying light injuries. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, and, anyway. And if you talk, if we're if we're actually talking about fullbacks, uh, uh, we should bear in mind that uh, yeah, if Hago Pagopian makes it back from his light injury, uh, Caparros actually sees him more as a fullback than his natural position at defensive mate. Yeah, yeah. So we got that. Uh, so but we actually have more news on Caparros though. Yes, so he had the pre-match press conference where he was getting really annoyed it was by, a like, juicy. <laughs> by all the players. It was and a juicy he, one, huh? Yeah, yeah. Here's, here's, a, here's a quote. He said, quote, um, we are taking into consideration every Armenian player abroad who may have the desire to play for Armenia. Basically, what he meant is that the players who show disinterest or anything but love for Armenia is not what he's looking for. So he's clearly dropping Wait. hints here, right? Yeah, play play from the heart. If you don't play from the heart, we don't want you. That's what they said. And and that comes down to you know what we've said is that like all these these players, the Tikinizians, the Zaharians, to the Spersians, where we say like we we want people who want to play for Armenia, not people that feel like Armenia is a second choice. Uh, hopefully that's a tide that's exactly. changing. Um, another important point in the press conference that you had actually brought up, Armen, was something interesting Han Bartumian said. Man, that's that was a <laughs> that was a big one. Yeah, Hampat Sumyan, what he said is, quote, the team is in good health and in a great mood, and absences don't really matter by now for us because as last year was proof, sometimes without the most high-profile players, that's when the team rises up to the occasion and gets actual results. Unquote. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I think <laughs> I think we saw that quote come into fruition today because <laughs> Armenia had arguably its best and its best chance creation game of all time without Henrik Mkhitaryan anywhere near the pitch. They're different. They're, we've had <laughs> we've had games where we've played against teams like Liechtenstein with Mkhitaryan, and we have not created near the amount of chances that we created today. Missed passes and stuff. Exactly. So anyway, let's get right into the match. Um, Armenia lined up in a 4-4-2, something that we thought might happen, uh, but we weren't quite sure. But it seems like this is the formation that Joaquin Kabaros is kind of leaning towards, right, Armin? No, I, I you know I actually don't think. That's what what happened because Caparrosa has said over and over again that he would rather adapt to the opposing side like a chameleon than uh, try to stick to a game plan. And uh, actually, that makes perfect sense because if you're faced against a team like, I don't know, Liechtenstein or Iceland that we're going to play after this on Sunday that are two teams, two very different teams, uh, with very clear uh, game styles. If that game style doesn't suit you, you will have to adapt, is the word, like a chameleon. And uh, and Armenia, you you and I both know, Armenia usually plays uh, 4-2-3-1. Yeah. But... I, for some reason, I saw this game as a 4-4-2 because Caparros uh, said we had to adapt. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he never even doubted we were going to win this. Yeah. 
Well, let's let's take a look at the starting lineup. So we had Adamian and Balakian up top. Uh, strike partnership, Beautiful. I think all of us were looking forward to. And I think, uh, well, we'll get into our thoughts about about it, but I think it actually went really well despite the yeah. score line. Uh, we had Bayramian and Barcelona on the flanks. I don't think there was a surprise there. They were both fit. They're both always going to start. Um, mm. Grigorian and Udo made up the central midfield partnership. And then our back line was Kamo on the left, Hovanes Hambartuman on the right, uh, Kalisir and Harayan in central defense, and Yurchenko in goal, who literally was like on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, There's actually a meme I saw online uh, mm-hmm. about Yurchenko uh, spinning the Khorovats, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they, put, they photoshopped a Khorovats, a mangal, uh-huh. in front of him. Yeah, and it, it was so funny. So moving on to uh, Lichtenstein's lineup, they <laughs> they had <laughs> oh my god, so they had they had it seen as a three one four two formation when in reality what it was was it was an eleven zero zero. <laughs> an 11-0-0. I think uh, the graphic that that I had seen because I was watching it on ESPN Plus here in America was that they. Uh, Kaufman, who is shown as their middle central defender in the back three, was actually playing as a sweeper. And Sele, who was in front of Kaufman, who was supposed to be the lone like defensive mm. midfielder, was actually that central center back. So there was yeah. five back line of five, followed by a sweeper who was even behind the back line, followed by the goalkeeper, Buchel. So, I mean, there's parking the bus, but then there's like parking the <laughs> Bus, the train, the airplane, the freaking building. Like, these guys the literally... Whole, the I, whole of Liechtenstein. That was all parked. It was... I've literally never been so frustrated in my life as watching this team play. Um, uh, no, no offense to anyone who's from Liechtenstein, but I have no idea how you watch that type of games all the time. It's It's like... It's like infuriating. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I guess it must get like uh, usual for them. I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it is, and I'm sure it's repetitive and annoying. But I think, <laughs> of, of course, what they want is to counterattack with the Frick brothers. But then the Fricks. Yeah, the freaks, the freak freaks. Uh, but then, I mean, those guys were not obviously not getting literally any service. Um, so, and of course, when everyone they else is more inside focused. the box, yeah, they were more focused on injuring our players. So, um, let's go through some of the key stats, Armin, in this match. Expected goals for Armenia. Now, this is a statistic that's kind of um, controversial. What expected goals tells you is essentially how many goals Armenia or any team is expected to score based on the number and quality of the chances that were created. And an average expected goals in a match is somewhere between 0.7 to 1. And in this match, Armenia had 2.03 expected goals. And that was because there were 26 shots and 22 chances created. Uh, it was, I mean, there's really nothing more to add. I mean, <laughs> there was only one team on the pitch. The other were just like a group of karate kids. I don't know what it was. 
it 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 looked like a training match honestly it looked like it, uh, those matches where the where the manager says yeah, or the coach says a dangerous training match <laughs> yeah danger it's it's one of those ones where the manager says okay the attacking team is going to always have the ball even if they lose the ball give it back to them <laughs> they're going to keep attacking <laughs> until they score it was that's Willfully, literally what yeah. so Liechtenstein had zero Man. shots they had zero. a 54% pass succession compared to Armenia's 83%. So we we had 409 accurate passes and that's for Armenia that's actually really good. We don't we're we're used to seeing a lot of like wayward passes. Um we didn't see that that yeah. much. No, I, I really really liked uh the pass efficiency and one thing I didn't understand though uh there were times and I actually wrote this during the game or during halftime uh, to you guys, there were times when we would like get the ball rolling and their defense uh, kind of uncomfortable and in uh, in op- living open spaces. Mm-hmm. And our players could have made runs, like our players were perfectly uh, ready to make runs and perfectly positioned to make runs that would leave them with open chances and instead of taking those runs and instead of using that inertia that that momentum uh the guy with the ball would pass the ball to the back like to start the attack all over again and i think that's that is part of the idea that caparros tried to to like uh, install on the guys uh, otherwise, I wouldn't underst- I wouldn't have understood what what, ha- what was happening. Why why not make the most of the of the inertia of the momentum? Yeah, and and similarly, I think in previous matches, specifically against uh, Georgia and Macedonia in the last Nations League games, when we were playing the four four two, we noticed that Armenia was yeah. pressing a lot. Right, Kaparos had the the front line pressing. In this match, they were never pressing because it felt like they knew. Lichtenstein was just gonna exactly. kick the ball long, and it was a reset. So it, they, they, were, I, I was kind of getting angry at at one point, and I was like, "Why are they not <laughs> pressing the ball? Clearly, the game plan is not working. Press, win the ball high up, and you'll probably end up scoring." Um, anyway, we did end up scoring, not in the <laughs> traditional way. Uh, it was an own Jeez. goal. During My a set-piece situation, and I believe the own goal was from the center-back, Fromelt. That is his name? Is he a center-back? Uh, uh, they're all center-backs. Yeah. Fromelt. <laughs> uh, let me see the name. His name is Noah. Yeah. Like Noah, uh, Noah Frick. Yeah, like Noah Frick. Noah Fromelt, who is actually a midfielder, but the, you, everyone's a defender in Liechtenstein, so he's a defender <laughs> to us. So uh, what, what's something that you say is a key takeaway that you take from this match? Oof, there's a lot. I mean, uh, first of I would say patience and uh, sacrifice. Expand. Well, patience as in, like what I was saying, I mean, I would have definitely make you, have made use of uh, a situation when you leave the opposing defense behind you and open to make one run and uh, 
see yourself against the keeper. But instead, for some reason, Caparros uh, like lobbed, lobbed into into the team not to make those runs and instead be patient, get the ball back again and start from the back all over again. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't like, that's not what I would have done having that much patience, but apparently that that's what uh, ended up getting the, the win. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> if it ain't broke, uh, <laughs> Don't. <laughs> and, exactly and uh, on the other hand uh sacrifice because it, it's clear i mean uh, you just, we would just see everyone and absolutely everyone running and uh when you had to run uh it was very beautiful like honestly genuinely it was beautiful to see that absolutely everyone was uh willing to run for the ball and uh like uh risk actually do more than risking because Jovan Sampatrumian almost got his uh, knee sued off uh, <laughs> and he yeah. got carded for it <laughs> it yeah. makes no sense for occupying a space on the pitch yeah it's, know, for uh, existing so there was um a couple of, a couple of things I want to talk about before we move on to the to the Iceland match. One was the uh, Balakian and Adamian strike partnership. I think Balakian yeah. played very well. He played 64 minutes and he was eventually subbed off. Uh, he's going to start on Sunday. I think he's going to start on Sunday. I think he earned it. I think Kaparos realizes, and of course, he is much smarter than we are, <laughs> much smarter than most mm -hmm. analysts are. And I think he realizes that that strike partnership worked because it did its job. Yeah. He, it kept the defenders busy. It created a lot of chances like it was supposed to. The only realistic thing was missing was the players forgot their shooting boots in the locker room. And they and never plus, put them. I think, honestly, I think frustration played a big part. And yeah. bad luck, too. Uh, uh, the way I described it is as if um, there was, like, a force field in front of the goal. And it, yeah. It, didn't even they didn't even get on target. It felt like as soon as the ball that's, looked like it was going on target, it just whoosh whooshed right to the that's, side. That's uh that's the Benny Buchel I remember. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't, that guy's a freak. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, the freak brothers are freaks. <laughs> uh, so the second thing I wanted to talk about is the tactical change that Kaparos made. So at halftime, he subbed off Artak Grigorian, which we had a feeling Artak would be subbed off early anyway in preparation for Sunday's match. But uh, he yeah. subbed Artak Grigorian off. He brought in Alexander Karapetyan, and who went up front, yeah. and Sargis Adamian dropped down to central midfield alongside Solomon Udo. Um, and he was kind of given like a free license to roam forward and play as a makeshift uh, number 10 sort of thing. So a lot of the times mm -hmm. we saw Solomon Udo in the midfield just sitting like literally by himself. <laughs> and yeah. Normally against literally anyone else, that would not be okay. <laughs> but <laughs> but he held down the midfield. He would have more work to do, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and again, Solomon Udo, a lot of people complained about him. I saw it on Twitter, which I it personally didn't understand because I think he was, again, I think he played very well today. He was good. Yeah. yeah, he did. Oh, he did his it was job. a good display. Yeah, he had exactly. a pass, he had a pass succession percentage of eighty eight. So he did he did oh, his job. Said, he, yeah, that's it. 
So it, he it, he was asked to do one thing, he did it perfectly. Move on. It was it, good. It, it, it amazes it. it amazes me how well he like he, he released pressure in the midfield. He he does like little like turns, quick turns, mm-hmm. and it draws it draws like the defenders like catches them off guard. It's it's done very well. Uh, additionally, I wanted to point out another key statistic that I had actually found. Sargis Adamian had 12 attempted dribbles, eight of which succeeded. That's insane so, for a game. Sako, Sako was on a different level. I mean, Udo was great. Most of the team was great, but Sako, Sako was on uh, was something else. Yeah, you can see. Why he is who he is? He's, he was the difference maker. Yeah, he was the difference maker, and and um, uh, uh, clearly the game plan was to get the ball in the box and to have some sort <laughs> of like second touch, tap in the back post type thing, yeah. and that's why we we see that Hovanes Hambarzuman and Tiran Barsegan combined had 18 crosses just from that right side. Yeah. So it, it was, clearly that was you, the focus. That they, those two. Combi- like uh, the combo of those two merging together like one superman uh it reminded me of their time at Vardar and they played for two years together they they took that team single-handedly the two of them together to Europa League i mean yeah. that team made it to Europa League thanks to Barcelona and Ampatumian which led to both of them later on parting ways to better clubs Mm-hmm. But you can tell those two sync. Yeah. Uh, uh, elsewhere, I think Baramian had a very good game. He had a very frustrating he game. He kept on getting fouled a lot. And, he, he was, and you could tell that was their game plan, was to just try to get under our players' skins. Uh, and yeah. we somehow ended up with more yellow cards than them. I don't know how. Um, Bias. I, I know exactly why. And it's sad and disgusting. But as you say... We move on. Yeah, we move on. Uh, and and it was beautiful. In the football Gantron fashion, <laughs> we <laughs> are very thankful that that match is over. Uh, we are still <laughs> undefeated against Liechtenstein. Now we have three wins and two draws, and we are yes. now undefeated in six matches. Joaquin Caparros yes. has only lost one match, and that was another. Actually, another thing <laughs> we haven't really talked about: a clean sheet. Another clean yeah. sheet. Yeah. <laughs> Round we, of applause. Absolutely, we forgot. We forgot about Yushchenko. We forgot about him. Well, Yushchenko literally did nothing. But I mean, <laughs> the central defenders, Hamian and Kalisir, played fantastic. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Two things. I mean, is, I usually like to focus on the unnoticed uh, work mm-hmm. in Chalishir and Haroyan. Wow, especially Haroyan being the captain in his passing game. I mean. We both know this by now, but man, this guy never ceases to amaze me with his passing game. He yeah, has it, such a football IQ. Everyone, uh, Andre Kalisir had a 91% pass success rate. Uh, so, uh, Andre, Andre the Giant is, uh, man, we won the lottery finding out he was Armenian. Yeah, we really did. Well, we're going to move on uh, to the next phase which is turning our attention to our next opponent iceland um iceland today faced germany in their opening match of the world cup qualifiers they didn't play like vikings 
Yeah, they did. They actually played like Liechtenstein. <laughs> we, <laughs> they, uh, Germany had a very, very comfortable 3-0 win against them. It could have been 7, 8, or 9-0, if, but I guess that like deadly instinct for some reason wasn't there as much. Um, <laughs> the Germans got the job done fairly early. They had two goals in the first 10 minutes, and um, they moved forward. Uh, and just another quick side note, Romania and Macedonia was the third match in the group, and uh, Romania won 3-2 yeah. with a late goal, and um, it wasn't pretty. I think it was a lot of errors <laughs> on Macedonia's, and they literally gifted that game to Romania. But we'll get, we'll get there whenever we're going to face them. So, uh, Armin, let's talk Iceland. What info you got for the people? Well, I'm actually... Part of me is surprised. Because uh, let's look at the the time where the time frame of the goals. Uh, op- the opener from Leon Goretzka came at the s- second minute, literally. Uh, it was one 0 at minute two, and then Kai Havertz. What a wow! What a guy! It, it's surprising Havertz. Uh, but aside from that, and we're gonna be scared about him later on in the group stage yeah uh, <laughs> we got time we got time to be scared about yeah. him i don't want to think about him right now by the 10 minute by the 10th minute it was already 2-0 yeah. and that's what shocked me because one would think you know uh 10 minutes you're you're iceland you're already losing a game that you knew it was very likely you're gonna lose and you don't have much less to lose. Uh, why not just start playing? Like, uh, try to get the ball. Try to make some. Try to mix some passes in there. Uh, no, that's not at all what they did. They already losing two one. The two nil. They even kind of like went even back even more. It, that was weird. And I then I thought about what. Tito mentioned in the, our previous episode, if you haven't listened to it, do. Uh, goal difference. I think Iceland was most, more worried about goal difference than actually trying to score. Yeah, so they ended up playing a, a, a 4-1-4-1 formation, uh, which pretty much ended up being Gunnarsson, who is their lone central defensive midfielder, uh, just dropped in between the central defenders, uh, Amerson and Ignison, and they were just practically playing a five at the back the whole time. Uh, it was very obvious that they were like, please don't Worry. kill me, please don't kill me <laughs> the whole time. But but that's not the Iceland that we're going to expect, right? I think we're going to expect not at all. <laughs> a much different Iceland team because they pretty much said like, they pretty much told Germany, give it to me, but just give it to me softly. I don't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> Jesus, why do you make everything sound dirty? I didn't. I didn't say anything. Um, oh. So they... <laughs> well, okay. I, another another sidebar that I that I actually wanted to mention. Uh, they, the under-21 Euros is currently going on, Armin. And as we know, Russia yes. is involved. And Russia played Iceland earlier today. Uh, today being... Thursday, the day of the match. And uh, the Russian under-21 team beat Iceland 4-1, I believe. And three yeah. of the goals 
came uh, courtesy of Armenian players. Nair Tiknizian had a beautiful chip. Zakharyan won the penalty, and then he also scored a fantastic solo goal. So we're looking at being, you know, the next step in the evolution. And the senior Armenia team, you know, with, with the big boys <laughs> beating the Icelandic big boys. And hopefully we can we can follow suit of the Armenian youth players uh, who are currently shining in the under-21 Euros. Um, let's talk coaching staff, Anmen. Who yeah. are these people? Because they had a, Iceland had a coaching change recently, right? Everyone has. Uh, Liechtenstein had their own new coaching staff. And uh, after last season's fiasco for Iceland in uh, UEFA Nations League, about where, what we're going to talk, because there has been some concerning uh, facts for Iceland last season. So they had to sack Eric Hamlin, their, their former Swedish coach, uh, after only one win in eight official games last year. Hiring now Anna Vidas and and hopefully we can uh, beat them and tell uh, I- Iceland of Vidas and Anna Vidas <laughs> Thank you. That's the reaction that I was going been, for. That that may have been one of the worst jokes that has been ever said on this podcast. The worst or the best. The the best the best <laughs> only, only only the best coming from only football games the best the highest only quality. the best yeah make them doubt Aram uh. <laughs> so they're so they obviously in very new coach there's a new coaching staff but someone that's very familiar with Iceland he was the former under 21 head coach and we're we're pretty much expecting kind of like a youth injection into Iceland right because that's something that they're kind of having a hard time. Uh, uh, kind of transitioning because they had so much success in such a short period of time, uh, making it to the World Cup, making it to the Euros, beating England. Yeah. You know, they had this huge frenzy, but now it's kind of like the what's what's kind of the what's the word I'm looking I'm looking for? It's like, like hangover. A... <laughs> yeah, That's... kind of like what happens to every cycle after. Yeah. The high, you get the low. And we have to take into account that, uh, okay, Arnar Vidalsen is their new head coach. Uh, fun fact, former Barcelona and Chelsea striker, Idol Gudjonsson is their assistant coach. But the key, I believe, the key fact is that their technical advisor is Swedish national team expert, uh, that coached precisely Sweden, Norway, and Nigeria, among other national teams, Lars Lagerbeck. Ooh. He, yeah, Lagerbeck is a man we know from several World Cups and Euros, but he was also Iceland national team head coach between 2011 and 2016. Mm. That's five years during which he set the grounds for the record-breaking Iceland uh, national team we all know about. Mm-hmm. This guy, uh, Lars Lagerbeck, was basically our Gines Melendez. Uh, what Gines Melendez did for us, but he is doing now for Iceland. And he knows Iceland for being their head coach for five years in a row. So he knows them and their system to the very core. And 
yeah, but hopefully it's too soon for him to make a difference. <laughs> I know. Well, if we look at their their um their previous results, they've pretty much been getting battered everywhere they've been going. They lost to England in the Nations League. They lost to Denmark in the Nations League. They lost to Belgium in the Nations League. They lost to Denmark again in the Nations League. They I I they failed to pick up a single point in their yeah, UEFA and- Nations League campaign. And it was crazy because, and this is more, I, you could say this could like possibly have a link between uh, the bad results at the last minute because like uh, they lost four points at the last minute mm-hmm. in two several games, in, in two different games. Uh, they lost four points, literally. Like they were winning against uh, Hungary, for instance. And it was a comfortable win until the 88th minute. And then in the 90s, in two minutes, Hungary turned it around. And I think that has a little to do with their former coach, Eddie Cameron. But but that's the thing. Whenever you think of Iceland, you think of uh, a well drilled cohesive unit organized yeah that's organized and that is not going to lapse and concede a goal in the last 10 minutes to lose a match but that's exactly what happened to them against denmark that's also what happened to them against hungary uh that's uh, not the england match but against belgium it was a similar story so there's clearly some sort of like lapse of concentration going on uh in iceland currently yeah, and if you think about it, they they just got ran over by a huge truck called Die Mannschaft. So <laughs> they're, 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 I don't think I think they're still confused about everything, and we gotta make the most of it. I mean, uh, psychologically. Yeah, and so we're let's look into how they did and their match against Germany because obviously that's their most recent result and something that maybe we can pull the most information from. Rune Marsigjernsen, who is a very experienced central midfielder for Iceland, was injured early on, unfortunately, yeah. in the match against Germany. But he was replaced by Albert Gudmundsen, the PSV Eindhoven center forward. Uh, so kind of like. I don't know, a net positive maybe there for them? Because now Goodman, it looks like Goodmanson is probably going to start against Armenia. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, that's what it looks like. They have more than good uh, alternatives to replace, whether it's Sigur Jonsson or anyone else, really. Um, I think their, their fullbacks are also uh, going to change because... I think he was uh he was trying out, out things, but uh, yeah I I also have to check if uh, their other center back Kari Anderson uh, got suspended or not. But their uh, the I, I, this uh, Pauk center back is clearly their star defense defender right mm-hmm. now, and uh, we. We're talking about Kolbein Sigtorsson from uh, Göteborg from mm-hmm. in Sweden, former teammates of Andre Arja and Chalisher. Yeah. This guy, Sigtorsson, is actually the top goal scorer for the Iceland national team of all time. And he actually didn't, didn't start against Germany. So mm-hmm. he, 
they were clearly trying things out, but they won't against us. Yeah, I think they're going to maybe have a little bit more of a game plan. But uh, just a note for for the listeners, uh, this Iceland team is missing a couple of its key players. Uh, Alfred Finbongsen and Gilfi Sigurdsson, who is like equivalent to their Mkhitaryan, uh, <laughs> both will miss them. Both miss this match against Germany, and will also miss the match against us on Sunday. So they're also trying to cope without uh, some very key players. But unlike us, they do have. Uh, they have a, maybe arguably a little better depth or depth of better quality than we do. Exactly. Exactly. That's perfect. Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. So they had Bodvarsson, the mid-wall, the Millwall striker, start up top. Uh, he got subbed off late. I He didn't have much service in the match in general. But one thing that from watching uh, extended periods of this match we noticed is that Germany saw the center of the Icelandic defense as the weak point. Contrary to what Armenia normally tries to do, which is a lot of wing play, uh, Iceland's center seemed to be the issue. Uh, That's where they scored twice in the first 10 minutes with very direct plays down the middle and less of plays down the wing. And this is Germany we're talking about. They had Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry on the wings. Yeah, it was amazing. And you're at, and these players were asked to play a little bit more centrally, which, of course, for players like them, isn't going to be a problem. Um, another thing that we noticed was that Iceland was playing at five at the back. But this isn't really something that we're going to expect, right? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, yeah, they are going to expect to dominate us. Uh, literally papers are gonna that the roles are gonna change like mm-hmm. we were the dominant force against Liechtenstein, and they were the dominated force against germany for the both of us things are expected to change and as i was talking in the in the start of this episode i think caparros has a very clear mind about adapting like a chameleon and uh i strongly believe we are gonna have a more uh not direct but passing short passes uh game style with an actual number 10 this time so how do you expect walking Kaparos to approach iceland uh as opposed to today's well Liechtenstein's game i would expect a 4231 uh you know, more fast pace, uh, more hard with higher and harder work rate, uh, short passes, and uh, more f- not physicality in terms of uh, strength and toughness, but rather speed. We are yeah. gonna rely heavily on uh, foot on on both speed and brain speed. Passes should be like the ones Germany. Uh, created to beat them short passes and then boom shoot when they don't expect it so we're we're basically going to be essentially playing a we're going to be playing a counter-attacking style right that's kind of the expectation because obviously yeah with the number 10 iceland are clearly 
the the superior team, but we're not going to pay too much respect to them because we know we have more than enough firepower yeah. uh, and more than enough talent on our team to to get all three points here, especially considering that it's at home. So you're saying a four-two-three-one. Who do you, based on you know what we saw today, who do you expect to start that match? Because clearly, I mean, as much as you and I have been begging for it, it doesn't seem like Vahan is going to start a match anytime soon. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, actually, and this <laughs> this time I actually have a pretty clear mind because uh, about who's going to start, in my opinion, because uh, the, that's the thing, you know. When you play against teams like like Liechtenstein, when like it, there's situations where you can expect to do anything, and you can allow yourself to try things out, or uh, you know you're gonna be dominant. But against teams like Iceland, against very uh, precise, as you said, organized, well-engineered teams like Iceland, that you know have a very specific system there are and are clearly better than you there are a few things that you can try and stick to and right now i i think caparros won't be messing around either uh i think he's gonna start with yushenko at the goal as always hopefully uh rolling and spinning the Horovats again hopefully. hopefully not expected but hopefully uh and defense I would play Camo on the right back this time, not on the left. Uh, that was a surprise today for all of you, us. You don't think time. you don't think Hambarzuman is going to retain his place? He started I, he started almost every match. He is our clear starter. He is way better than Camo by now, and way more than a leader. Mm-hmm. But I want him to rest because uh, of what we saw today. He he got a very heartbreaking actually and almost knee-breaking uh tackle on him uh, that, that he was visibly limping after yeah. that one he played like literally 15 or 20 minutes limping you can yeah. you you could see him i i, I was honest i honestly was sad for him yeah. i was uh, angry i i hope if that's the case uh i hope set of grigorian is in in the I 11 think, <laughs> i think setup will start on the left and uh, on the left back and come on the right back using both of their speed and uh, stamina against uh, Iceland. And of course, the center back duo, Chalisher and Haroyan, as usual. Uh, pure chemistry behind there in the bottom. Uh, defensive midfielder, I would start Karim Muradian because his feet, like fit, uh, uh, he is, he has quality. And whether it's Udo or Grigorian, it's going to be one of those two because they're both tired from uh, the Liechtenstein game. But that's the thing. Muradian with Udo would sync up perfectly because uh, they know each other be- very well from the Armenian Premier League, playing together several years uh, until 2020 where when Udo just left for Kazakhstan. And if it's Grigorian, I think it's going to be good because Grigorian is more well rested than Udo so that's up to Caparros to decide who's gonna start in the defensive mid I think just to chime in uh, just instead of me going it through uh, my own team but just building off what you said I think 
it's going to make sense to have Grigorian start. But I, I do think if if fit, I think Angulo might start alongside him because we're we're going to need uh, defensive midfielders yeah. that are quick on transition. And Udo is more of like a calming presence in midfield versus yeah. Angulo is more of a he he likes to, he's a more of a ball pusher. He pushes he distributes to the wings very well. And I think in a counterattacking situation that we're likely going to see an enforcer, what we yeah, would he, call an enforcer. Exactly. So I, that's that's what I think. I think it's going to be a Gregorian and Angulo if he is fit. And Do you think, yeah, that's the question. Do you think he's going to be fit to start? I think he will be fit to start. I think I think he was purposefully left off of this uh, match day squad because mm-hmm. uh, Caparos felt like he had more than enough already to win this match. Hopefully, hopefully he is. And uh, also Ararat uh, and well, all of them, really, because... We can't really afford uh, to leave any man behind. And yeah. Anyone who's fit <laughs> should start. Uh, up front, I would choose Babayan on the left because why not? I mean, <laughs> he's I think, fit. I think Bayramian. I think Bayramian's going to start on the left again. I think he's playing I, too fantastic. I think he's going to. Yeah. As much as Kaparos wants to rotate, in all reality, we kind of messed up a little by having to work so hard against Liechtenstein, I don't think he's going to spare any players for this next match. I genuinely don't see it. Because Iceland I mean, is a fantastic team. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't know if uh, if I would risk Bayramian or use him as a power sub. Because clearly I I do agree that Bayramian, considering his play style, would be more useful against opposition like Iceland than Babayan, who's more physical and more of a wing player. Bayramian is faster and can reach the box way faster than than Babayan and in more different ways. He's Babayan more skillful. Is, uh, yeah, exactly. More skillful. Yeah. Uh, then I would play at 10, I would play Vahan because we needed 10 and Vahan is like uh, not just smart but actually bold and he doesn't have like uh, that fear that we would have, and that today actually we noticed in many of the players uh, during some spans of time. But I'm glad to say that that the fear and the frustration is decreasing with people like Caparros at the helm. Yeah. And Balikan on the right, undoubtedly, like my one of my few. Uh, certainties about this attack the upcoming attack is that Balikian should and would start if it was up to me mm-hmm. and uh, up front it's either going to be Garabidian or Miranian and they both have strong suits and arguments as to why start on top of the other Karapetian, if you give him too many chances, clearly he's going to miss. He's he's very much well-suited for the counter-attacking style of play. I 100% believe that. And actually, today he had some bad luck. You, did yeah, you notice course, that one yeah. of his shots, the, the one that was actually the most unbelievable one... Uh, <laughs> the turnaround that one, one actually, right? That's yeah. What yeah. The, the half volley, yeah, that yeah. one hit the woodwork. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have been talking about a very beautiful ga- uh, goal and a much earlier opener yeah. for Armenia. But and Miran- Miranian in- pleasantly surprised me. I honestly, exactly. 
I really that's thought what I was gonna his say. touches and passes were fantastic. That's what I was going to say. Karapetian was, like, basically did what was expected of, of him. Get the ball and uh, at the first touch, shoot. Yeah. And Miranian fit into the play style. And, yeah. and he, in a very positive way. Like, okay. he was an actual positive influence to win. I see. So my my starting my front four is completely different than yours actually. I don't think oh, those players are going to. Yeah, I think I think we are going to see uh, Bayerman on the left. I think we're going to see Barcelona on the right because I think Tico is one of our most extremely fit players, and I think playing three matches in seven days is not a problem for him. Um, I I I 100% believe that, and I think at number 10, I believe because of the display we saw today, I think Saki Saldaman is actually going to be our number 10, and I think. Uh, but he Balak- was visibly tired. Yeah, but he he'll recover. I think uh, the thing about Oof, match hopefully. the thing about match fitness is that you need to play full matches in order to get better fitness. If yeah, he is definitely. he's gonna have a good recovery today uh, post match. I think he'll be fine to start at number ten, and then I think Balakian will start up top as the lone striker because I think that combination that that understanding as the game went yeah. on between Adamen and Balakian was very clear, and I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna produce. It was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I really love it. I want. I want to see Balakian score. He deserves it. I think same. He's been, he, he he gets, in my opinion, like he plays his role and he does it really well. And I think this was by far his best game for Armenia. Uh, so and far, I, yeah. Being subbed off early wasn't because of a poor performance. I think that Not was because. Uh, I think. Kaparos needed to switch it up a little bit and maybe he's holding on to him for, for the next match. Oh, definitely. I mean, some players that literally fit the system perfectly were Bayramian and Barekian, both of them basically newcomers by now. Yeah. So that's uh, that's pretty much what we're expecting for this game against Iceland. The match is going to be on Sunday, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, what time is the game in Buenos Aires, Armin? <laughs> it's going to be Sunday at 1 uh, p.m., like literally our lunch lunch time. Lunch time at Sunday. Literally going to be that. And uh, we will also again be live tweeting, uh, live tweeting through the Football Gantron account for that match as well. So if you haven't already, drop Football Gantron a follow on Twitter so you can follow our coverage. Um, we don't bite for now. Yeah, we don't bite for now. Uh, are there any closing remarks that you have, Armin? Um, yeah, I mean, I was gonna talk about how interesting it was that last year, uh, the only game, the only official game that uh, Iceland won. Last year, remember that I told you they won one game in eight. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who they won, uh, who they beat last year. Who? You already know. Uh, <laughs> our, four, <laughs> uh, our future rivals, no other than Romania. It was a 2-1 win in Reykjavik. I don't know how to pronounce that. Reykjavik. With a break, yeah. <laughs> it was with close. A break it was close. From, yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I watched too many Vikings, you know. I like that show, uh, but not more than I like football. Kendra. <laughs> uh, it was a brace from the, you know, Gilfi Sigerson, their captain, star, their Mkhitaryan, who's not going to be playing against us. 
And for the visitors, their star Alexander Maxim, he scored from the penalty spot. So there's a lot to take from that game for Caparros. And hopefully we know what to expect on Sunday. Big game coming on Sunday. So Armenia versus Iceland is the early game of the group. North Macedonia are at home against Liechtenstein. And then Romania are at home against Germany. Three points uh, would see us retain our top spot. We're hoping mm-hmm. Romania can do us a solid and drop, make Germany drop some points. And uh, I don't know. I, hopefully we continue and march forward. Of course, this was not the ideal result. We wanted more goals for goal difference purposes. But at the end of the day, we did get the result. And in our honest opinion, Armenia played extremely well. And we're just... Yeah. It, we're equally as unfortunate to not have the ball hit the back of the net. Yes. It, I mean, on, for times it was disgusting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> on another day, more. on another day, this could have been 9, 10, 11 nil easily. But that's <laughs> football, right? Well, anyway, thank you for joining us on this uh, Ottoman Autumn special. <laughs> uh, our, uh, that, so that concludes our wrap up of Armenia's. First World Cup qualifiers uh, match against Liechtenstein, where we took three points. Wonderful. We march forward onto Sunday, where we host Iceland at home with fans. With fans. 30% uh, stadium capacity. It's about 4,000 people. So there will be people in the stadium, which will be a very good change of pace. Hopefully they are being safe and wearing their masks, but it's Ooh, and hopefully, hopefully with Spertian on the pitch. Yep, Spertian is joining the team. He is in Yerevan. Uh, on, we see him at his debut. If not, hopefully against Romania. Well, this has been Football Genton. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our wrap-up of the Liechtenstein match and our little preview into Iceland. And uh, we will see you on Monday. Monday, yeah, yeah, we'll do another wrap-up and we will preview Romania. Hopefully, the next time you hear our voices, we will be six points out of six and we will be marching (laughs) much happier uh, and we will be marching towards victory or as we say in Armenian, Armen. There we go. Thanks for listening, guys. And bye. Group winners for now. For now. (laughs) (laughs) 